episode that a lot of these concepts we're going through on the on the hit list, their their whole purpose is uh, to create these kind of legitimacy narratives, um, and and then also to obscure what's really going on beneath the surface. And I feel like that's exactly the way that they are. Uh, weaponizing inclusion in the same way that they've done it for flexibility, uh, for entrepreneurship, for for these other ideas, you know, these other concepts. That is exactly what they're doing with inclusion. But what's even more, I think, pernicious here is that it does do a really good in an insidious way job of co-opting critics right? Like, mm-hmm. like bringing them into the fold, because they're like, well, you're for inclusion, right? Well, we're for inclusion and diversity mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. um, actually, if you criticize us, then that means that you are not for inclusion and diversity and equity. To your point about the, the critics, I think also a, a particularly pernicious part of it that Hoffman also talks about is the areas in which the inclusion discourses when sponsored by corporations operate in. And it's usually in areas where there are technologies that are particularly odious, right? Surveillance is a big one, right? The, we, our discourse around facial recognition, as you talked about, is about getting rid of the bias, which is effectively saying, making sure we're all equally surveilled, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that black and brown people should not be surveilled more. They should be surveilled just as much as white people. <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, the problem is we don't fucking want surveillance, uh, but that doesn't get talked about as much as the pressing problem of diversity of an outcome in this instance and our um, equal, uh, equality of an outcome in this instance, right? I think similarly, she also talks about social sorting, right? This, as you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, where you know you want to have the outcome appear to give the appearance of um of an egalitarian you know a meritocratic uh system internal system but in reality what it is is just you know pistache you know it's just adding like a very 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 shitty cover uh layer onto horrible monstrous process right you know i was thinking of um again that up from the cracks essay i think one thing that talked about is how you know she said in lieu of performative solidarity, i.e. hashtag, I believe black women, I'm going to need y'all to actually take the time to tell us apart and to recognize the system of knowledge production across industry and academy has created a process of vetting minorities, often silencing the most radical for Goldilocks token someone who confrontational enough to ethics wash the institution, but not so much as to fundamentally challenge the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. So like that, the voices that get raised up or ones that passed the filter system, but for one reason or another was sorted out, you know, largely either because of discrimination or the racism. And so they get brought in into a process where already everyone else is filtered out to not be particularly cutting in their criticism. And with optimization as well. I mean, when we talk about how technologies are supposed to be efficient or how they're supposed to have good outcomes for people, what we're really saying is like, you know, we're not really asking questions about if the technology should exist or not. We're asking how do we make sure that the outcomes and the results and the market dynamics work the same for everybody else, legitimizing the thing in of itself and assigning to it the same sort of magical, you know, realism that we talked about in the free episode where technology by virtue of being called technology becomes real, becomes magical, becomes the source of we assign it causal priority or causal power over political problems and social problems, and it becomes a thing of its own. And I think similarly, you know, with inclusion discourse around optimization 
are talking about how, you know, productive workforce is a diverse workforce or like the best products or the best goods and the best services are ones that can reach as many people as possible. It's, we should recognize that that is not really saying something that is concerned with the human beings. It's saying something that's concerned with the thing in of itself and the investors of, into the thing and patrons of it, right, who stand the most to gain. And everyone else is just like an afterthought. That's right. That's right. I think a perfect example of this kind of perverse notion of diversity and inclusion as well is there was an article in the New York Times recently uh, about like some of Biden's transition teams. Mm-hmm. And there was a nugget in here that was just really revealing about Avril Haines. So this article says Avril Haines left her position as a deputy national security advisor to President, uh, President Barack Obama at the end of his term in 2017. And within about six months, she was working as a consultant for Palantir. So when Haines then uh, joined Biden's transition team over the over this past summer, Um, A spokesperson sought to distance her from Palantir's data collection and surveillance, Mm -hmm. uh, saying that the vast majority of her work for the company was related to diversity and inclusion. So actually, it was fine that she got, you know, well into the six figures of consulting fees for Palantir because she was working to make it a more diverse and inclusive company. Right. She was she was doing (laughs) the Lord's work. She was making it more diverse in how in what groups it targeted for deportation and detention in the camps. And she's making it more diverse so that the people operating the deportation machine would look like the communities that they were deporting. You know, so it's a really important work. It's a it's you know, these if she doesn't do it, who else will, you know? Yeah. This is uh, sewer socialism in the, in the action. <laughs> Would you rather Palantir not be diverse and inclusive? You know, yes. they, <laughs> they, they, pi- they pioneered the idea of having civil liberties engineers. I think, oh I feel God. like a lot Did of people really? forgot. Oh, I feel like my. a lot of people forgot that, but when Palantir first came onto the scene <laughs> back in like 2013 or whatever, when they really popped off, like I remember they had all these job ads where they were hiring for quote unquote civil liberties engineers. <laughs> How to hack you the know? constitution. <laughs> hack the constitution, you know, which is great because that's exactly what this inclusion discourse really does. And this is something Lauren Hoffman in her article really points out is that it always puts things on the term of the tech company, right? Like it always makes these solutions to these Mm -hmm. problems of inclusion, diversity, equity. They have to route through the very structures, the very corporations that are perpetuating these harms that are benefiting from the violence that they're causing and enacting over all these communities. They set themselves up. They they try to control the battleground for the debate. 